Hi, I'm Barry Hamaguchi. And I'm Jason Marcos. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. This week, part two of The Aftermath. Last week, we talked about the fallout from Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake's 2004 Super Bowl performance. This week, we're discussing the ups and downs of songstress Brandy's career and the effect of a tragic accident on her subsequent releases. All right. So, you know, what's really interesting is like we're, you know, today I'm going to talk about Brandy and I'm going to talk about her song Warm It Up With Love, which is a track off of her fifth studio album, Human, which was released in 2008. And um, in doing some of the research, this this album that I'm going to talk about comes after one of her seminal albums, her fourth album called Aphrodisiac, which was released in the same year as Demita Joe which you were just talking about. So mm-hmm. just, you know, all of the, it's, it's funny just to kind of go down that road and remember like what was happening at the same time. Um, but, you know, you and I have talked about the album Human, um, again, which came out in 2008 and both of us really liking it. It's my favorite Brandy album. Hands down. Is it my favorite? I don't know if it's my favorite. I don't know. I'm torn between this and Aphrodisiac, which was the one right be- before. I just felt like it was like, it was like an emotional buoy for me in 2008. Well, it's really interesting because she'll we talk. Were in a re- we were in a recession. Jason. We were in a recession. And Brandy she- just lifted me up. She warmed <laughs> me up with love. She warmed you up with love. I remember like this song. I mean, this album and this song, there were a lot of feel good, a lot of feel good tracks. There were a lot of like tracks about kind of finding yourself and like yeah. forgiving yourself. Um mm-hmm. And I mean, this came after the infamous car accident, which we'll talk about, and you know, the fatal car accident that she was involved yeah. in, and 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 the aftermath of that. And um, you can really feel it in the album. I mean, the album addresses it, and I think, in addition to being something that really was therapeutic for her, there were a lot of ways in which like people could relate to this, maybe more than some of the other songs, some of the, her other albums, which. Mm-hmm. Where either came out when she was a teenager, or they sort of dealt with sort of generic platitudes, you know. So I, I think yeah, there's a lot I to mean, dig into. I feel like she had done a lot of like very direct like relationship type of songs mm-hmm. prior to this. Yeah, this is the first album that I felt like oh, like almost to the point of being a cliche. Mm-hmm. They feel like the musings of a woman who is trying to buoy herself up. Yeah, and in the process, buoy you as well. Yeah. How many times can I say the word buoy? But <laughs> buoy, buoy, buoy. Um, no, it's. It, I think you're right, and and I think it's also helpful. Like you know, we talk about Brandy, and you know, she's actually just came out with uh, just last month came out with her seventh album, um, and it's so good to see her. But it's easy to forget. I think what a ubiquitous star Brandy was from the mid '90s mm-hmm. through the early 2000s, because you know, people maybe now you're like, why are we talking about Brandy? And I mean, Brandy is an icon. You know, her first, her debut self-titled album came out in 1994, 26 years ago. I mean, and I, that was, that was one of the first albums I ever got on um, the BMG music service. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, okay, I remember that we used to clown you for that brandy puffy jacket uh, that you had. I was just going to say, I have that puffy ass jacket. Uh, I was like, are you trying to be in the baby music video? <laughs> Do you know why I have that? I have that jacket because um, after my senior year of high school, freshman year of college, 
my best friend Jordan and I decided to take a trip. We lived in Hawaii at the time. We decided to take a trip to visit our friend in Las Vegas for New Year's uh, um, in the year 2001. And so being from Hawaii and not understanding cold, what like that there are variations of cold, I went and I got the biggest puffy jacket I could find in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So it's like literally for like, not scaling a mountain, but it's like a ski jacket. Yeah, it's like exile in Siberia jacket. <laughs> yeah. We get there and I was mocked because people are like, okay, it's like not that cold, right? <laughs> and I, was, I could wear, I wore it like twice, but like, you know, I didn't, I didn't come. Well, and, and the thing is, is that was several years before we met, but like I still had the jacket because like I don't come from a place where you throw away clothes that you bought. Oh no, especially not outerwear. <laughs> outerwear is so expensive. No. Yeah, and I was like, well, maybe. I feel like when you're when you're becoming an adult and you realize how much a jacket costs, you're uh-huh. like, fuck, I'm never throwing this away. Yeah, like I'm going to keep this for when I do go to Siberia. Like I could, I might. And of course, then it wouldn't work because it's like yeah. not that kind of jacket. <laughs> But it like was, it know, was, it was a fashion puffy. puffy it jacket. was a you know, but like Brandy in her in the white puffy jacket in the baby video, um, the Brandy album sold six million copies and produced three top ten hits. So there was "I Want to Be Down," great song, mm-hmm. "Baby," which I mentioned. Uh, we fit together like a hand in glove. I thought that was like the most clever wordplay <laughs> at the time. I was like fourteen, and I was just like. No, I was 12, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is genius. Um, Brokenhearted with Wanya Morris, Boys to Men. Uh, she got two Grammy Award nominations that year, um, four Soul Train Music Awards, and two Billboard Awards. I mean, she came out like a shot, right? Mm-hmm. The following year, she releases Sitting Up in My Room for the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack, which was produced by Babyface. That went to number two. The year after that, 1996... She was on the song Missing You from the Set It Off soundtrack. Remember Set It Off? Classic. So Missing You was... I'm uh, really mad that I didn't bring up poetic justice in talking about Janet Jackson. Oh, that's so good. That was good. Do you want to smell my punani? (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave it at that. Was she she a male? No, no, she wasn't a male carrier. No, Um, Tupac. Tupac was was a male carrier. (laughs) Yeah, but like, so so Missing You, she performs on that track with Tamia, Gladys Knight, and Shaka Khan. You know, set it off famously had Jada Pinkett Smith, Queen Latifah, Vivica A. Fox, Kimberly Elise. I mean, that earned her her third Grammy nomination. And again, this is just two years after her initial debut has come out. And she's what, like eight, seven? She was like 17. Like, no, she's like 14, 15, 16 at this point. Okay. Um, then she... The, later that same year, she stars in Moesha on UPN, right? She stars as the title character on this show for six seasons. It becomes the network's most watched show. And she ends up winning um, an NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Youth Actress. So, like, Brandy, this is the first three years. She's everywhere. Yeah. In 97, Whitney Houston handpicks her to play Cinderella in the made-for-TV production that she's executive producing. For the wonderful world of Walt Disney. Um, and they become the first two black actresses to portray the Cinderella and the fairy godmother um ever, like in a in a in a TV screen, um, in a TV, what do you call it, production or screen production. Is Mark Dacascos her the prince? No, 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 no. It's not Mark Dacascos. It's it's a, it's a Filipino American guy named okay. Paolo Mantoban. 
Okay. So like this is like one of the most diverse uh ensemble casts that's ever been. That was put on way TV. way ahead of its time. Well, and you know, in re- reading up on it, like Whitney, it was really interesting. Whitney was like, I want the production to be colorblind or the casting to be colorblind. Um, so we're just gonna go after whoever we think is the best. Um, but I want to reflect the diversity in 1997. Like this is 1997. Look at how diverse we are. And she's like, I want to leave this legacy for my daughter that like I created this sort of environment. I know. It just made me so sad because I'm like, oh, God. Um, So, you know, they're the, you know, two black actresses uh, in the lead roles. Um, Paolo Montalban. Yeah. Whoopi Goldberg and Victor Garber play Prince, the prince's parents. Bernadette Peters plays the wicked stepmother. It's just this crazy cast. Yeah. And, and they got the idea to do this after um, Bette Midler's version of Gypsy. Um, after, oh, that's wild. Which I know, which you love. I believe mm-hmm. you love that. Yes, I Chrono- love it too. Chronologically, like all this stuff gets so mixed up in my head. I didn't realize that. God, Cinderella feels like it happened so long ago, but I guess yeah. Bette Midler's Gypsy happened even even longer ago. I guess a year or two before that, right? It's also one of those things where like the licensing, so Whitney Houston's family owns the rights to Cinderella. So they haven't been able to release it. So like you can't get her versions of the songs officially. Like you can, you can watch it on YouTube. I think the full length is on YouTube. Um, Her version of impossible because they use the Rogers and Hammerstein. They, they incorporate a lot of the the songs from the musical Mm -hmm. in there. Her version of impossible is so good. And it's one of my favorites. Um, But yeah, you really can't get it. So like, it just kind of falls off, you know, (laughs) that same year, while all this happening, that same year, her second album, Brandy's second album, Never Say Never, is released. And this is the album that really just kind of cements Brandy as like a star. She works with a fledgling producer, maybe you've heard of him, Rodney Darkchild Jerkins. Um, and he comes up with the lead single, which is The Boy Is Mine, the iconic duet with Monica. Um, and it becomes one of the most successful singles of all time in the U.S. Um, it stays on top of the charts for 13 weeks. It wins them both a Grammy. And eventually yeah. seven singles from this album come out, including the number two or her second number one hit, Have You Ever. In my recollection, I don't, I don't, I feel like the Boy Is Mine video, it was one of the videos that prompted TRL to take on the um, the retirement aspect of music videos on TRL. Oh, we're like because it had been running for so long. Yeah, like the, at a certain point, TRL was like, "Shit!" Like these videos are like the number one video for like too many weeks. Like nothing's changing, and yeah. then they would hit this point with like this video. I think did it a lot of Britney Spears videos, Backstreet Boys, etc. But at a certain point, they were like, "These videos are too popular. We need to move on." It's been X number of weeks. Yeah. We're going to retire this. (laughs) You know, it's like Hall of Fame. Great. Perfect. That's iconic. We know. Let's move on. (laughs) But I I remember that because I I remember that this video with Brandy and Monica, it was 
not even a great video. As so many of them are at the time. But it was like the demand to just hear that song all the time was just so Well, they were both, they were both huge stars and you put them on the track and they're sort of being catty with each other. Yeah. I mean, and you just want to be at your high school dance, like miming out some kind of cattiness with your, your BFF. (laughs) Well, and we were talking about, you know, what songs when you're at a certain point in like your teenage you know, your teenage life really resonate with you. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I was in high school. I was in high school at that time. Like it felt, it was a very high school sort of drama, right? It's not the man, it's not the man is mine. It's the boy is mine. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing too about that era around like 90, 98, basically, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that a lot of young pop stars were coming out. Mm -hmm. And Brandy, because she's like, She's like around our age. Mm-hmm. There was something so cool about someone our age mm-hmm. having these iconic songs and these iconic yeah. videos. Yeah. And it just was like, whoa, you know, I think yeah. that made it so much more relatable than being like, well, this yeah. is someone that's like much older than me. Like, yeah. Like I remember Janet like, was older. Like Janet at that point yeah. was like, you know, a full decade older or more than both of us and feeling like, just a little bit separated from the message. Mm-hmm. Like this very much felt like, Oh yeah, this is like my, my best girlfriend, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting because Brandy, it's interesting because she, she's an R and B singer, but she has sort of pop popularity. Right. And mm-hmm. like at this time, like she's, she's sort of transcending R and B. Right. And, you know, and, and, and is a very mainstream artist at this point and getting like pop airplay and Mm -hmm. you know what's really interesting is some of the critics said that you know she very successfully found this middle lane between mariah carey and mary j blige where it's sort of this almost adult contemporary r&b pop Mm -hmm. but with a slight streetwise edge so she's like just she seems cool it like brings that like she's cool She's cool. She's not like as hard as like Mary in the hip hop, right? But there's elements of it there. Like I want to be down, definitely. You know, like yeah, um, baby. Like there's an there's an element there's an element of just grooving that's Mm -hmm. not there with like Mariah. That's not there with Mariah. But there's also like not so much of a rough edge. Uh huh. There's not so much of like a grit there's no there's grit. not so much of a grit that you get yeah. with mary j blige so it really does hit that feeling of like your songs are so sweet and safe mm-hmm. but the emotion cuts through a little bit mm-hmm. and just her voice her voice yeah. is distinct it's it's yes. very much her own yeah was she one of the people was she one of the people that as a child got booed off the stage at the apollo no no i don't okay. think that was lauren hill lauren hill okay <laughs> But, you know, it's interesting, like, in talking about sort of the universality of Brandy at this time, um, you know, it had been an ongoing, I've talked about this before, but like, it had been an ongoing process in like opening my parents up to non-secular music. Mm -hmm. And at this point in time, I was like a junior in high school, and my dad had installed a bazooka bass tube in the back of our Astro van, our Chevy Astro van, so that we could really feel the bass to blast what music exactly i mean it was christian music at the time but known for known known for the bass and the hard-hitting beats the the classic 808 of your christian contemporary well you know we had a kenwood six disc cd player that had all of them in there and i was able to put in one time um brandy's never say never album in there god is that did you have to open the trunk 
to like no it was actually under the front seat oh yes. god did you have my brothers had the like cd changers mm-hmm. where it was in the trunk so every yeah. time you wanted to change one of the cds in your yeah. damn six disc changer you had to like pop the trunk get pop the trunk Friday. open insane wow. technology man we We're thought it was old. like the, we thought it was so cool oh my god you can play six different cds <laughs> Was in like your car, the rotary phone of CD players, <laughs> and then like who listen, and then like at the the very first episode we did of this, like who even we don't even have a CD player anymore. To play <laughs> these CDs, um, but I put on Never Say Never, and there's a track on there which is one of my favorites. It's called Angel in Disguise, mm-hmm. and it's uh, that's a great song. It's like it was not like an actual single, but it was so popular it got a lot of airplay. Um, there is a bass line in there. That like when my dad heard it in the van with the bass, my dad was a bass player like for our church. Oh, oh, okay. He loved that bass line and then would like go and like play that bass line like separately. So like that was from then on could listen to not really whatever I wanted, but like Brandy was acceptable. Brandy was acceptable, and, Brandy was acceptable. and it was and 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 and, and Brandy like she was so sweet. And it was like you know, and she had a great voice, and yeah, it was. It was, that was, that was a done deal. So, you know, seminal for me. (laughs) Like, you know, in addition to all of this music, like Brandy typically takes a little bit of time, like several years usually between albums. And so at this time, like she's continuing to act. She is in the sequel to I Know What You Did Last Summer called I Still Know What You Did Last Summer Mm -hmm. um, with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Famously, spoiler alert, she survives, which is great. Right. Yeah, she survived. I've never seen either of those movies. Oh, well. Wait, I don't know. I mean, well, of course, Jennifer Love Hewitt survives the first movie because she appears in the second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I feel like, I feel like Brandy transcended the sort of like the black friend who dies. Oh, like she, oh, oh, Brandy right? she, survives. Brandy survives. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, I mean, yeah. sure. I don't sorry. know. I haven't seen it, but. <laughs> And then, and then later that year in 99, I'm sorry, in that year in 99, she stars alongside Diana Ross in a TV movie called double platinum. She plays her daughter. Okay. It's just like, she's, she's at this level, right? That like Diana Ross plays your mother. Yeah. You were in a, you know, TV movie just a couple years earlier with like Whoopi and Bernadette Peters. Yeah. And I think that it's really easy to roll your eyes at the idea of, actors who become pop stars and pop stars who become actors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Brandy's one of the rare exceptions where she really gets a lot of acclaim for both. Mm -hmm. Not that she's like the best actress, but like almost in the way that like Will Smith kind of knew what he could do in the er Mm -hmm. era of Fresh Prince and Mm -hmm. kind of built on top of that. It's like, I feel like Brandy understood what she could do in terms of acting. She wasn't trying to do, um, Julia Roberts and Mary Riley. No. Is that a weird obscure God. reference? Do you know no, what I'm talking about? I remember. Oh my God. Julia Roberts. You know, Julia Roberts. No, was it Mary Riley? Wasn't it Mary Shelley? Or no? no, Mary Re- She plays Mary like an Irish maid with no eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the castle. That's when people realize like, fuck, Julia Roberts. We only like Julia Roberts for being Julia Roberts. Anytime Julia Roberts tries to act like not Julia Roberts, she's terrible. Mm. <laughs> uh, any, any great movie with Julia Roberts is Julia Roberts being Julia Roberts. Yeah. And, yes. But and and similarly similarly I would say like Brandy understood that like there was something about Brandy as Brandy mm-hmm. when she's just acting like herself yeah. well, presumably but presumably. she could take these she could take these roles that really highlighted that about herself and yeah. excel and continue to be a hugely successful pop star. 
So she takes a couple years. She comes out in 2002 with her third album, Full Moon. And um, the lead single is What About Us? Did you like What About Us? My favorite song on the Full Moon album is Wow. It's a it's like towards the end. It's a deep cut. But the reason I like it, and it's something that they kind of talk about, like she, Brandy says that like Whitney kind of pushed her to try new things with her vocals. And so she looked at Whitney. She looked at Enya even to like figure out like- I love Enya. Right? She looked at, and she was like, how can I arrange my vocals in a different way? And and also my performance, like what can I do? So so in Full Moon, you start seeing this this sound that she that she that she's continuing to develop with Dark Child mm-hmm. of this like very intricate vocal layering. Like it it's not really it wasn't really like that on Never Say Never or even the first album. She comes out with this new sound and um Dark Child kind of he creates the sound that's like a little bit more futuristic. It's got a different edge to it with Full Moon. Um yeah. you know, sort of European it was kind of like not well received by critics because it was so different, especially it like was different. You, it was different. When what about us came out? I really liked this song. Mm-hmm. I think helped in part by the music video of it. Mm-hmm. But I remember my friend, Karen, I think I was blogging about it. I was blogging shit. But my friend, Karen was like, what are you talking about? That is the most unpleasant sounding song I've ever <laughs> heard. Yeah. And I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, like these are these weird pockets of music that brandy's starting to explore with dark child Mm -hmm. is like Mm -hmm. stuff that isn't melodic and like formulaic in the way that max martin had kind of pushed pop music to like a 10 right Mm -hmm. he turned it Mm -hmm. all the way up to 10 in the late 90s early 2000s and we were just getting used to these like super catchy pop tunes and i remember what about us it's there's something dissonant about it yeah it's very choppy it's choppy right? there, and there's something that's like, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but like the, my, my benchmark for like a pop song is like how well you can sing to it. Even yeah. if you don't hear the vocals, what about us is also hard to catch the melody uh-huh. based on the instrumentation of it. Like yeah, it's, it's not like... totally clear what the key is and like where your, yeah. where your voice is supposed to come in. Um, trust me from experience again, not an expert. I have no credentials in music or singing mm-hmm. or anything, but mm-hmm. for a long period in the 2000s, we did go to karaoke between like 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. on every Saturday. Yeah, yeah. For like three hours, just <laughs> just but, singing. But that's that, that's what I liked about the um, Full Moon album was that suddenly you're like, oh, Brandy's doing like these weird things that... Yeah. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't like in the 90s, it was all about like, yes, you could sing along. It was like, it was that Mariah... Not Mariah, but it was like melodic. It's like all of the songs you can sing to. And it's like you just emote and you do this thing. And with with Full Moon, one of the reasons I really like Wow is you couldn't sing it. There's no way she could have performed that live in that way. Because mm. the one line, the next line starts before the line before it has finished. Uh, like the way they've layered no and spliced it together. There's no breaths. And it just, it just, they just kind of layer and just kind of interlock. They dovetail and it creates this really cool lush sound, almost mm-hmm. like it's in the round. And and they're like phrases, not full lines. 
Mm-hmm. But again, it's like it's the way she's like playing with her vocal arrangement and she's still singing and there's still ad libs layered in and around that. But it's not like the straight line like she'd sung before, you know, and at the time of release, it was so different for for R&B and like what was popular at the time that like it, it got really mixed reviews. But in the time since it it has really received a lot of retroactive praise, um, it became her highest charting album at the time. And earned two Grammy Award noms, debuted at number one, and it it started off selling really well, but they didn't pro- promote it as much as some of the others. Like she, you know, as you can see from like her history, like she she'd been nonstop f- since like 1994. In 2004 or 2002, like when this album is released, she's pregnant with her daughter Soraya, and um. You know, yes. You and want to so, talk about secret marriages? This, well, this, and this, this is episode this is, should have been titled "Secret Marriages." Secret marriages. So oh, she. Oh, so, but or or shit, not secret marriages. Not not married secret at all. marriages. Well, and I I do think this, this I, episode that's what should have been titled about. "Lying about your marital mar- <laughs> lying well, about your marital status." Yeah, and this kind of goes in. This is going to get into like why like eventually human wasn't a success because and and just like the impossible the weird standards that we had at the time for mm-hmm. women so so at the time when 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 brandy gives birth to her daughter soraya like she says it's with her husband robert smith they got secretly married um he was a producer on full moon you know she just you know they kept it a secret and that she got secretly married and her pregnancy was covered on like a special vh1 sort of reality show called special delivery it was like this whole thing right so that all happens. 2004 is when Aphrodisiac comes out. And that's that's a huge it's a it's another departure for 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 Brandy. But in 2004 we also find out that or she reveals that she and her husband Robert Smith, they were never actually married. Just kidding. Yeah, which in and of itself like you're thinking, well, why does it matter, right? What she said that they lied about it to preserve her image. Because they thought it would look really bad if her baby was born out of wedlock, mm-hmm. and like I, I, I'm here. I'm like, who cares? Like you know, like now in, yeah. in, in 2020 or 2020. Sorry, 2020. I guess it is 2020. <laughs> yeah. uh, in 2020, we're like, wh- why would you lie? But like, who cares? Right? Like that happens all the time. But like again, 2004, J- Janet's castigated, like thrown out, black blacklisted yeah. for like her titty coming out. You know, this is the same year, or this is like after, but it's that same like conservative sort of yeah. culture I that mean, like two thousand. We had just elected Bush two mm-hmm. president. Mm-hmm. I think what I always learned in high school history classes, and I don't think a lot of people like internalize in terms of current events, is that our mores, our political spectrum, our beliefs, like they really swing on this pendulum. Yeah, right, and we yeah. never really know when the pendulum is going to start swinging the other direction, mm-hmm. you know, very famously like prior to Nazi Germany, Weimar Germany in the thirties was wild. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's where you have like the whole, the whole cabaret era type of mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, Marlena Dietrich and all those like very freewheeling nudity, nude mm-hmm. positive types of things mm-hmm. and like sexual, like lesbianism and homosexuality, like mm-hmm. not that weird in Weimar Germany. And mm-hmm. so to think that in the matter of a decade that that could all, the pendulum could swing so hard, so fast back into Nazi mm-hmm. Germany. Mm-hmm. That like, that's something that I always think about 
now yeah. in the times that we live in that yeah. I never take for granted that the times we live in now or whatever we think of as the norm or whatever progress that we believe we're making, that all of that can easily be erased. Yeah, it can swing. And so when we think about the 2000 era, we think about Bush too, we think about the war in Iraq, even into the late 90s when even you had like Tipper Gore, right? That was like yeah. fighting against violence and rap music and mm-hmm. violence and video games and stuff like well, that. Well, it's like the culture war, right? It's like that. that yeah. Like I feel that. like there's yeah. always there's the action and then the reaction and mm-hmm. that pendulum just continues to swing back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's just this endless Star Wars trilogy of Star Wars. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Return of the <laughs> Jedi. The Empire For, the force wa- waxes and wanes. There's something of Skywalk. You know, it but it is that thing. And and <laughs> I find it completely plausible that in that period of time, Brandy either herself understood or was given a lot of external pressure to be like, Okay, you're pregnant. If you want to keep this baby, you mm-hmm. need to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. You need to say, mm-hmm. you need to go out in public and say this. We're going to get this deal with you for this show to document your legitimate married pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. To let the American public fully know this is a legitimate married pregnancy and your mm-hmm. baby is a legitimate baby. Because mm-hmm. I guess we're a little bit far off. For, we're, a little, we're a little bit removed from that period where the whole thing with Murphy Brown is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Being a single mom. But even for me, I mean, again, I come from the most liberal blue of blue families that like, I never understood what the big deal with Murphy Brown being an unwed mother was. Mm -hmm. That was never an issue in my household. Can I tell you, in the (laughs) 80s, in the later seasons of The Facts of Life, Uh there's a storyline where the producers wanted one of the girls to lose their virginity. Mm -hmm. Fully, this is in the era where all the girls are in college. And I think... Famously or notoriously Blair, played by Lisa Walchel, was supposed to be the girl to lose her virginity out of wedlock to like a college boyfriend. Uh, Lisa Walchel is herself like conservative. Mm-hmm. She has, a you know, her own personal beliefs about sex before marriage and stuff. She refused to the storyline. So um, Mindy Cohn, Natalie, mm-hmm. she took on that storyline of like she had this biker boyfriend in the show that she was going to lose her virginity to. When I was a kid... I think I was maybe eight years old when this happened. My mom was like, a very important episode of The Facts of Life is airing tonight. We are all going, as a family, we are all going to sit down and we are going to watch the Natalie Loses Her Virginity episode of The Facts of Life. And granted, like my brothers who are older than me were like yeah. 14, 15, and 16 or 15, 16, 17. I was eight. Mm. And I remember saying, they'd be like, what's a virginity? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But all these things that I think are big cultural controversies or big moments. Again, I just came from the biggest liberal freely freewheeling family that I was just like, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. Brandy Brandy got pregnant. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Best yeah, wishes. I, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because it's like I I I did not come from that background. And so Yeah, like would something like that potentially have caused your parents to be like, you can't listen to Brandy anymore. No, no, not in two thousand not in two thousand four. But but oh, I, mean, I mean like But like no, like before, if, when you were a teenager. I mean, say, we couldn't listen to Amy Grant anymore. We had listened to Amy Grant <laughs> for a long time, you know, and then she came out with Baby Baby and all those things. And I remember I went to this um private 
this private, this Christian um, elementary school. And I think it was baby, baby. My sixth grade teacher was just so scandalized. And she told us it's so wrong because Amy Grant is in this video dancing with a man who is not her husband. And told us how wrong it was. And I mean, how can you not be a fact? Like, like it, it did color my worldview, right? And you're like, who cares? Like, yeah. it's for the video. Like, she's not like, she's not like fucking him on stage. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, what? Maybe her husband can't dance or whatever. Or like, I don't even know if she was married at the time. Like, it's just, it's one of those things. And it like derailed her career. Like, again, with like, it's crazy. But I remember that specifically. She alienated her base. And she alienated her base over something that like I look at now and I'm like, it's so trivial and also so like, ugh, so puritanical in a way that I, I, I wholeheartedly reject. Yeah. So imagine that when Full Moon is coming out, that there's someone that is in your position where they're 14 or 15 being raised by in a conservative yeah. family. Yeah. And they're trying to convince their parents, like, I just want to listen to Brandy music. Yeah. And then the media is like, Brandy has yeah, this child out of yeah, wedlock. And that, that, yeah, that would have like, that would have In your been situation, a, that if that had happened, if Brandy yeah. was 22, right, when you yeah. were trying to convince your your parents to let you listen to Never Say Never or Brandy. Yeah. The Brandy. No, album, absolutely. Absolutely. Because she was that, that would have been like a hard no, right? Yeah. No, she was yeah, exactly. No, you're right. You're right. And I and I think part of it, I mean, part of my I have like a lot of a lot of feelings about this, but like, you know, the whole the whole not to get too political, but like the whole thing with like Trump. The reason I get so upset about it is because I grew up, like, I was told that, like, Amy Grant cannot be supported anymore because she released a song about, like, love and performed in it with a person who was not her husband. She does not deserve our business. She does not represent our community. And then now we have President Trump, who's on his third wife, like talks about women so disgustingly. And I see these memes that are like, God bless Trump. Every day I thank God for Trump. And I'm like, what? How did I, I was steeped in this. I could not listen to this music. Like, you know, everything, I couldn't watch like certain TV shows, just whatever, because of this like morality that we had, right? That was like infused. And it's like all thrown out the window. I don't understand. All thrown out the window. How many of those, I mean, yeah, like how many of those people couldn't watch like the Miss Universe pageant and like the swimsuit competition? It's just, uh, yeah, it's just so insane to me. Like it's, it's like, so all of that, all of that sort of inner sort of turmoil and like being like, is this okay? Is it not? Was for nothing because in the end, none of it matters. (laughs) If like, you know what I mean? None of it matters. Literally none of it matters. I think, I think that like a lot of those things rely upon how firmly can we ask everyone to like grip onto their beliefs to the point that we can whip them around no matter what? Yeah. Right. Like, I think this is a problem that impacts everyone in every aspect is just basically like, how much can we sell you on the Kool-Aid mm-hmm. to the point where you, you go out on a limb to say like, I believe in this thing. I believe mm-hmm. in the Republican party or I believe in, I don't think the Democrats do it. Sorry. But like, I believe in um, the company that you work for or, uh-huh. you know, your family, something that your family is doing. Like how ingrained can we get you? How firm can we get your grasp to the point where when we flip the script on you, when we pull the rug out from under you, you feel like you have no choice but to stand your ground. 
because mm-hmm. you don't want to look like a asshole or you don't want to look like a fool. You want to be like this. Oh yeah. This is exactly what I believed the whole time. Mm-hmm. I've been saying mm-hmm. this the whole time. You know, I think that that's part of like the psychology of really digging in your heels as the yeah. supporter of someone who objectively and on the surface does not seem to represent anything that you have purported to believe in. Mm. It's just that once you have the rug pulled out from under you or the wool pulled over your eyes or pull anything pulled, yeah, um, it, there is an ego-driven aspect to it to anyone that you're like, yeah. well, I don't want to admit that I was wrong. I don't want to admit that I was fooled. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to ride out this train until, until doomsday and we're almost there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting because Brandy talks about like how, like in 2012, she sat down for like a behind the music interview with VH1 or a special. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how like she realizes now that like she lost a lot of fans for that when it came out that she'd lied about it. Uh, it was almost like worse that she'd lied about it than like, but I don't know. It's unclear. Like that, that actually for me, it's kind of, it's arguable, right? It yeah. put a weird taste in my mouth about Brandy. Yes. Yes, and I think... That she had lied about it. That she lied about it. Like, it was the first sort of crack in this, up until now, this sort of almost perfect facade. Around the time that she's talking about this, she comes out with Aphrodisiac. And Aphrodisiac is a completely different direction for her. And it's interesting because she does not work with Rodney Jerkins on this. She doesn't work with Dark Child on this because she says she was upset because the sound that they had worked together on, on with Full Moon that we talked about, she then complains that like he has now given this sound to everybody because... Dark Child becomes really big. Dark Child becomes really big and everyone Dark starts Child having this sort of... Say my name, say my name. <laughs> yes, yes. The sort of Euro-inflected pop R&B. Like, pop like it's, R&B. It's a, Super. Pop Dark R&B. Child is so palatable mm-hmm. to pop audiences. Uh-huh. It just opens up the floodgates of all these songs yeah. that yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, like, I can get down with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's ubiquitous almost to the extent that brandy is and she doesn't like this so she's she doesn't want to work with him for this you know there's 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 the demise of the relationship with with her with soraya's father you know which we now know was like a you know a sham marriage just for publicity's sake she changed her production she changed her management she changed her a and r and she reaches out and she works with timbaland and so Mm. timbaland and her work on this album together and What's interesting is that Timbaland, uh, I didn't really go super into like him, but like he was also in a transition phase too, like leaving his sort of management and, and Barry Hankerson. Does Barry Hankerson? He might have. <laughs> I think so because 2004, when this comes out, this is also like we were talking about JoJo. That's the yeah, year JoJo's. This, album this is comes that out. time when uh, Blackground is like losing uh-huh. their distribution losing and Timbaland's so, fucked. Tony Braxton's <laughs> fucked. Exactly. So. They both decide, since they have, are starting fresh, let's just experiment with all kinds of things. And one of the things that I think with Brandy that's interesting is her references and influences come from sometimes so far outside, and Timbaland too, but outside of like their genre, mm-hmm. right? 
um, she was really into indie music or what was indie music at the time. And so they create this R&B album that has hip hop beats, but like this sort of ambient sounds. It's called Ilbient. Ilbient? New York based. Ilbient. It's like ill, like hip hop, like Uh it's ill with ambient music. So like indie rock film scores, like where you put all that together. And then they also like, she's like, get me, get, she's like, get me onto NPR. Well, and she loved Coldplay at the time. And Coldplay was not like the juggernaut that they are today. I mean, like they were, they were on their way to being. Yeah. But like, you know, they were still kind of this like, it it was interesting. No, they were, they were, they were successful successful. at that time. But like, Mm -hmm. I guess, yeah, like they weren't at the level. I remember that was like a college coffee shop kind of music. Yeah. And so for that to influence mainstream, so someone as mainstream as Brandy was kind, it was a very wild sort of direction to be taking. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, she also continued to push her vocal arrangements into different ways. There's like counterpoint, multi-track, all this stuff. One of my favorite songs on that album, there, there's a lot of different songs on there. I talked about, um, you know, the, what about, uh, sorry. Talk um, about our love. Talk about our love with Kanye. But my favorite song on the album is I Tried. And, um, you know, she mentions um, Coldplay in the song. One of the things I just learned about I Tried is that the guitar sample in that song, which I've always loved, is an Iron Maiden guitar sample. Huh. Like, okay. again, with like the references that are coming from like wild places. Mm-hmm. She even samples Clocks, Coldplay song Clocks on, on a song called I Tried. I think Aphrodisiac is an amazing album. I think it's one of her best. I, and if you think about it in terms of, you know, again, we were talking about 2004, like she's R&B. Brandy is solidly R&B. The other albums out in 2004 were, again, Usher's Confessions. You had Destiny Child's last album, right? With Soldier, Lose My Breath, Cater to You, Girl. You have Ciara's Goodies. You have Jill Scott's second album. So if you go like the full like soul R&B. No way, one knows who Jill R- Scott is. Jason. <laughs> Who is Jill Scott? Um, <laughs> we'll visit. We'll revisit that on a future yeah, episode. Yeah, I mean, we... but like Jill Scott was huge. I mean, Golden came out. Was on she? Was she huge? <laughs> Golden was huge. Golden was Golden huge was because huge. It, was, it was on the Golden Globes in the year that it came out. Yeah, I mean, you are making me lose my mind. But <laughs> I'm like, oh, I you know, I what mean, came like in 2004 <laughs> though, that was a huge hit. Move your body by Move Nina your Sky. Body? Uh-huh. Movie Body, Nina Sky. Oh, John Legend's Get Lifted came out that year. So if you're oh, but that was when about, John Legend was like bubbling under. Yeah. But like when you think about the R and B soundscape, Aphrodisiac is a complete like left turn. <laughs> The the album has has been called like sort of a predecessor to today's like alternative R and B. Rihanna says that Aphrodisiac was like the main influence behind um, uh, the uh, what's that? Not the uh, what? Sorry, <laughs> I forget the name of the album. Her um, uh, girl, Good Girl Gone Bad. It was huh. like her primary influence on that. Solange like has gone to bat repeatedly for Brandy in this because they're friends, right? They're friends, but like she, it was just like it was a huge influence on her and like what where she could take R a traditional R and B sound. Miguel has talked about it. Um, you know, Frank Ocean has talked about her. 
even people like the Red Hot Chili Peppers talked about like how this album influenced them. So it's like it's a it's a great album. It was criti- critically very well received, but it it didn't really do well commercially. I remember talk about our love. Like the music video mm-hmm. for that was pretty big, right? Yeah, I remember the song "Who Is She to You." Well, you know what? So Kanye's on this album. College Dropout came out that year as well. Mm. So it was big for both of you know what I mean? It was it was huge, like in terms of for them working together and you know like playing off of each other. Like it, I think it was huge. Yeah, but yeah, it didn't really. I I I mean, it gets it gets the respect, but it didn't do well successfully and what's really interesting commercially yeah yeah commercially and what's really interesting is that after it didn't do very well both brandy and timbaland like publicly expressed frustration with the album and like kind of saying like it wasn't exactly what it should have been Hmm. which i find interesting just because yeah it makes you wonder what's going on behind the scenes yeah yeah it makes you wonder what's going on behind the scenes for sure i wonder too like i hate to think of the idea of like an expiration date on pop stars Mm mm-hmm but at this point, 2004, Brandy has been around. She's been out for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder about at what point someone just doesn't seem fresh anymore. Mm-hmm. Can't garner like the buzz mm-hmm. that a new fresh artist can. And, yeah. it, you know, because I think about like Brandy was only a four year album release schedule. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Kind of like releasing an album every mm-hmm. every four, four years ish years versus like in that era of late 90s early 2000s record companies really got in the habit of feeling like they needed to squeeze everything they could out of a pop artist well you need to release you need to release a new single every two months and then after eight months your new album needs to be ready so it's like britney spears with like bam 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 then a a new album is coming out bam 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 you know oops i did it again stronger lucky whatever yeah you know? well there's this theme yeah and so you you get like you know britney spears releasing like four albums in like five years you know yeah versus like when you do take that time to figure out like what kind of music do i want to make what kind of artist am i what are my influences oh i like Coldplay. play you know like when you take that time well and she talks about like when she takes that time it's not she has to go on hiatus a lot is what she calls it. like it's like well yeah she has to take because she's like she's either frustrated with like some of it is just like bad publicity. Some of it's just like label trouble. Like, you know, she talks about at the time, like feeling that like her label doesn't understand what to do with her. Like, and like, yeah. like this is at a time when like hip hop is sort of like ascending and she's not really hip hop and she's not going in that direction. So like, you know, they don't know what to, again, they don't know what to do with her. And like her experimentation is like, it's getting critical acclaim, but it's not really achieving commercial success. She has this scandal with like her, you know, with her um, fake her relationships, yeah. her fake marriage. I mean, after in the, so in the year when she revealed that she'd never been legally wed and they, you know, pretended the next year she, she had a relationship with a, with a, with a player in the NBA um, and they became engaged. And then that, then she ended the engagement like 15 months later. And then it's, it's just like this weird, like sort of where I think like, if you're already kind of going, wait, why did she lie about this? Like, what's the truth? What's, what's the going truth on? Gif? And then she gets like in a relationship, very public, get engaged publicly with yeah. another, like again with an NBA star. So like, you know, it's a high profile, and then that gets broken off. <laughs> All of these issues are kind of piling up and making you go, yeah. wait, what's the real story? And then, yeah. you know, 
at the end of 2004, after Aphrodisiac doesn't like do as well, like she asks for an unconditional release from her um, contract with Atlantic. She'd been with them, you know, for forever at that point. And they released a best of, right? They released the best of to kind of get her out of the contract. But like she'd also, yeah, it was just like she was fighting with like her label. She was fighting with her manager. She'd she'd had like a short lived management contract with Benny Medina, who oh, yeah, Benny Medina is huge, right? Like J Lo, Mariah, Mary J, like most famously, I think for J Lo at this point. But because um, well, Benny Medina bridged the gap between J Lo and Mariah. She still doesn't know her though. He never introduced. Her. But I always I always thought that there was like a hard line. Between, like, associating with J-Lo and associating with Mariah. That, I like, think there was, and I think at one point, and I could be getting this completely wrong, but there was, like, some effort to be like, well, I mean, he he can do a lot. <laughs> can, you know, Mariah, I guess so. I think, was kind of drifting for a little bit. So I think it's, like... Because it's, like, Ja Rule was with J-Lo, but Busta Rhymes with, was with Mariah. and like Yeah, 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 yeah. Although, did Ja Rule do it? Ja Rule did a song with Mariah, too. Never mind. I, this whole theory is cockamamie. I just always <laughs> thought that, like, there was, like, a solid line where, like... Yeah. You know, yeah. Janet Jackson's J-Lo's friend from the That's the Way Love Goes video. and Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyone associated with Janet Jackson... Like Janet Jackson would do songs with people and then I'd be like, oh, but that song, that person also did a song with J-Lo. Oh, there's yeah. like a, a clear divide. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Benny well, Medina. Well, no, it's, uh, well, you know, so Brandy, she, so she, that kind of falls apart. Yeah, it falls apart. There's there's a bunch of different reasons. But Jason, but... it's all good because someday Brandy's going to release the album Human, which contains the song that we're talking about. <laughs> So that's what I'm getting to. She leaves Atlantic and she then goes to Ray J's album. Ray J, her brother, has a record label. Okay. Good move, I'm sure. Just as kind of like a holdout spot, you know what I mean? Like where she can kind of be with people she knows and while she kind of waits on her next move. And she starts working on her fifth album, um, which she then starts recording independently. And that fifth album is eventually called Human. Before that album comes out, she gets in a car accident in 2006 december of 2006 and it's a terrible car accident um there's a four car pile up basically brandy was driving like 65 miles an hour and doesn't real didn't realize that the cars in front of her had stopped and so she hits one toyota which then hits another toyota that other toyota goes into the center barrier and is hit by a fourth car that impact kills the woman inside a mother of two do you know what freeway this was on? This is on the 405. So it's like the 405 at like, you know, like Sunset. and that. that, that uh, I, if I remember correctly, it's like down like by the... By like Sunset, Sunset Wilshire, Santa Monica. When you're area. coming down the valley, out of oh, the valley, out of the, by the Getty. I think she was coming down. If oh, I'm correct, God. it was coming down. I could be, I could have it completely wrong, but God, I... All those, all those signs too around the area is like, watch for slow traffic. But it's, it's one of these things where it's like, it's terrible, right? She's by witness accounts are like that Brandy was hysterical, like running into the into the lanes, trying to get people to stop and just being like, I did it. It's my fault. I'm, I can't believe, you know, TMZ runs with this, that like Brandy causes fatal collision. There's like a le- the CHP like talks to TMZ and saying like Brandy admitted fault. All of these things before anything even comes out, before there's an actual investigation. And so it creates this, I don't want to say a scandal. It's this incident, this stain, right? Yeah. Brandy, after all, you know, 
piling on from all of these other sort of maybe quote unquote character issues, questionable character was, yeah. you know, issues. and she's just left her label and she's looking for a fresh start. Yes. She gets in this car accident. It's also weird. You talked about time being weird. I remember at the time it was like a mother of two and I remember thinking, oh, it was like a like a middle-aged woman or something. You know, like it was someone older. Mm-hmm. I found out she was 38. I just turned 38. And I'm like, oh. like Because I, yeah. I guess I was like 24 at the time. So like 38 seemed ancient. Yeah. But I was like, God, she's almost 40. You know, but it's like, it's just terrible all around. I mean, absolutely yeah. terrible. And, and I remember that like she was a judge on America's Got Talent at that time. And she actually left... America's Got Talent as a result as a result of this. She left, yeah, she left the second. She was supposed to be on the second season, and it was too much. And I can imagine that. I mean, you know, even if you're not a celebrity and you're involved uh-huh. in a fatal car accident, mm-hmm. I'm sure that just the emotional trauma of that could be completely overwhelming. And then, like, to have the facts of it recounted to the public mm-hmm. through the lens of a garbage outlet like TMZ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, you know, when we talk about sort of these things and like how the narrative kind of gets out, it's like, it's obviously tragic. I mean, it's it's tragic no matter how you put it. But like, you know, it was characterized that like, you know, because Brandy didn't stop that or like didn't slow down in time. Yeah, that she was driving recklessly, that somehow she was reckless, she wasn't paying attention. Um, You know, the prosecutor could never bring charges. There was never any evidence or enough evidence to show that she was that she was criminally at fault yeah. or anything like that. If you're an L.A. driver, though. Yeah, I think you that know what that you is. You have a little bit of sympathy towards that. Yes, yes, and that was what I was getting. At. It's like as I, you know, for for my job, many times I commute up to two hours each way, at least a couple times a week, to our company headquarters in in Orange County. And how many times traffic will stop, and yeah. you, you barely stop in time, or you swerve into the middle? You know, completely. Like, luckily, if, if there's a so shoulder, many times, like we live in the epicenter of dead stop for seemingly no reason for no reason yeah i've seen it happen on multiple occasions when you see traffic completely stopped ahead of you like and if you're like a really defensive driver Mm -hmm. like my mom was always like always drive defensively i see that stop traffic i'm pumping my brakes like almost immediately i'm slamming on my brakes to the point where like i will stop a full football Mm -hmm. field away from that (laughs) <laughs> just bracing myself for rear impact because I'll be like, I need, I, I always need to be like, how can I signal to someone behind me that like, Hey, yes. something's happening yeah. behind us, or in front of us that maybe yeah, I was going to say signaling. Right yeah. It's those things where like, yeah, with, when it comes to those types of traffic accidents from firsthand experience, like you really can't know what to expect every time yeah. you're on the road. Yeah. You have to be vigilant. Cause I feel like, it was revealed like Brandy had nothing. She did nothing wrong. No, per se. no, there's no way to find her at fault for these events versus like, do you remember when like Nicole Richie drove on the wrong side of the freeway? Yeah. Right? She entered like the 10 freeway from an exit mm-hmm. and was driving down the wrong side of the freeway. That mm-hmm. is terrifying and negligent. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and, and so, you know, it's this thing where like this, you know, she, she gets in this accident, the woman dies, there's there's all of this just like it's just swirling around. She she drops out of America's Got Talent. The family sues her, right, mm-hmm. for wrongful death. So the parents sue, the parents of the of the woman sue her and the husband sues her separately. And there it was like a fifty million dollar wrongful death lawsuit. Jeez. It was just this the just crazy, right? And 
And meanwhile, like people are calling her a murderer, right? And like yeah. people are saying Brandy's a murderer. She's getting all of this, these comments. It takes several years to like settle all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, takes at least two or three years to get everything finally settled for mostly undisclosed sums, but she eventually pays each of the woman's children $300,000 each in addition to whatever goes to like the parents and whatever goes to the, the husband. But she's kind of broken from it too. And, you know, her thing was like, I, I just like, she, she says like, I didn't, I want people to know this isn't news. Like this is tragic. And for mm-hmm. you to like treat it like gossip, like you don't like me from like, you don't like me from all the other shit that's gone on. Fine. But like, you don't hold this against me. Like the guilt of being involved with this is enough for a lifetime. I'll never get over it. Yeah. Like she'll have to live with that. And it, it really kind of broke her. And I don't want to say that, that 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 like means that like, you know, obviously a woman died and, and two kids lost their mother. But like this could happen to literally any of us, mm-hmm. right? As we were just talking about. And so, you know, to 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 be like this the defining moment of her career or whatever, and to say this is evidence of like continued like questionable character is just kind of unfair, I think. Mm-hmm. Um it's 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 it's, it's tragic. <laughs> So when we get to when we get to human, which comes out eventually in uh, two thousand late two thousand eight, it's full of songs of just sort of like finding yourself and like uplift, like you said at the beginning. You know, it helped her kind of process and and find the strength to move forward. And she was doing a lot of journaling, a lot of things, and a lot of that came out in the music. She teamed back up with Rodney Jerkins um, mm-hmm. for this album, and the song "Warm It Up." is kind of has like that Rodney Jerkins sort of staple. There's like a piano riff in it. And again, with the vocal layers, it's just, I, I really like this song. I think it's, I think uh, there's probably a, a few songs on the album that you really like with human being like your favorite album, but my favorite, absolute favorite end to end. I think that this album is excellent. Mm-hmm. Warm it up. Not one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it, I, I went back and forth about which song on this on this on this album to really talk about i remember when the lead single for this came out right here i was hopeful that this would be like a return to form for brandy that she would have a big hit with this i was actually really surprised when this album didn't do well because i thought right here was an amazing lead single yeah Uh, long distance the second the follow-up single written by bruno mars i thought that was an amazing song Mm -hmm. i mean i mean the definition piano man the human acapella yeah. first in love like th- the whole thing is is so cohesive so mm-hmm. focused in its point of view mm-hmm. that i felt like was so refreshing in an era when it seemed like everyone was just chasing down like what can i do that's going to be the next big thing mm-hmm. how many different things can i do on a single album yeah you know we've talked about that with like a lot of different artists where it's like just trying out different things like this more so than anything else felt like a singular vision that i could listen to end on end um, start to finish. Yeah, I again, I've listened. I listened to this album multiple times this week, and and then the weeks leading up to this, just to kind of prepare. And it really, it really holds up. Yeah, like you said, kind of a return to form. And what's really crazy is like, so Human debuts at number fifteen with the first week sales of like seventy three thousand copies, which is like nothing. Yeah. It is her lowest opening sales for an album, lowest ever for her. It was her also lowest charting effort. It, it just it didn't do anything did she lose her record deal after that she lost her record deal after that they changed you know they lost she lost her record deal um 
and it's 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 really interesting so like the public wasn't there for it but you know with with all of these things that are having happened like they didn't come back right Mm -hmm. they weren't there for this even though the, the material is good or you know it's funny you say it's your favorite album i really love this album after it didn't do well like brandy basically was like that album sucked it wasn't great i didn't i never really believed in it so you know how could it have done well like it's it's sort of strange to me to like listen to this because i'm like is this just like revisionist like yeah. because you're embarrassed because because even ronnie jerkin says like uh yeah it wasn't great but and like if you go into the how they recorded it it changed pro- executive producers like three times mm-hmm. um there were like two or three almost full albums that had like been created that were scrapped by the time what ended up being on human comes out and so i can see that i i mean i remember prior to this album coming out i think maybe after right here had come out there mm-hmm. was some there were leaks that came out of unreleased tracks from this album and yeah. it's like um what's his name brian brian michael cox I think he produced a lot of the tracks for human. Um, and there were a lot of leaks that the songs were all so singular in their sound and so good. Mm-hmm. Got the ones that got cut. I remember there being a few that were about like cheating spouses and kind yeah. of like the typical relationship fodder songs. Um, so I kind of understood like, Oh, like in order to get to this place where they're trying to address where Brandy's been and what she's been through, through this album that, you know, the focus was shifted at that point. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how much of this is like, you put something out in a time when you're dealing with trauma, Mm -hmm. it's reflective of that trauma Mm -hmm. in a way that once you've moved past that or once you've processed that, it kind of comes out of that haze and you you see it differently once you're you're kind of more clear, Mm -hmm. clear clear-minded. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, did you ever like- Yeah. Did you ever get like unequivocally depressed as a teen and write sad, sad poetry? And then you kind of come uh, out of your haze and then you read back what you wrote and you're like, yeah, what kind of modern yeah. garbage is this? Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're, yeah, it's just so embarrassing and you hope that no one ever finds it. So it's that thing that universal. really only exists for you when you're in that minds mindset or in that headspace. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, once I you're mean, out I, of it, you're maybe like, who was that person? I don't recognize that person at all. Uh huh. I'm brand I, new. Yeah, I mean, it's brand new. Yeah. Um, <laughs> see what I did there? I did. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. It's funny because like in, in a in a later interview, she end, ended up saying like, to hell with that album. Huh. Like she really, she's like, where I, and so to quote her, she said, where I felt creatively, it could have gone and the space in, I was in creatively. I needed everybody around me to be in that same pl- space. Mm-hmm. It would have been a different album, but with the same inspiration and same blessing for other people, it would have been hotter music and a hotter look. Like she's angry about that album. Huh. Which I I'm, find really interesting. Yeah. Because I'm like, and I mean, what? you know, it was her first and only release off of that album deal. Yeah. And I, yeah, that's the other issue that I always wonder about is like, you know, may, yeah, maybe you're sick of the politics of the place that you've been at for five yeah. albums. Mm-hmm. Maybe you feel like it's not working. But then to jump into the unknown, yeah. you know, what can you expect? I mean, my point is that like, you know, for Brandy to walk away from her first kind of like long-standing record deal, right? Mm-hmm. Ostensibly to move on to something better, mm-hmm. to work with people that understood her or saw her vision. Mm-hmm. Anyone going into that situation, you really don't know what you're getting into. Yeah. You really don't. Anyone's going to, if you're Brandy and someone's trying to get you to sign a record deal with them, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. Oh, you mm-hmm. want creative freedom? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, like mm-hmm. these people that you're going to work with, they're be- they're, they're the best in the game. You know, everyone's going to tell you that they're going to, again, 
sell you that snake oil mm-hmm. and do whatever it takes to kind of, you know, bring you on board. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's maybe the the common thread that we see with a lot of these artists that three or four or five albums in decide, mm-hmm. whatever, I'm going to release this by myself mm-hmm. is because of that thinking like, yeah, you're, con- well, yeah. you're constantly chasing this ideal, ideal. of like, I'm going to creatively get to do what I want. And this major corporation is going to promote and release this for me and market this mm-hmm. for me. And I don't know if that ever existed for anyone, really. Politics and those things are never going to change. They're going to be there wherever you are. Yeah. There's, there's, you have to look for other things. And it's, it's the same with this album. And what I think is interesting, one of the things she really doesn't like about this album as much, um, and I wonder if this contributes to why you in particular really like it, uh, she says it was too pop. She says mm. she didn't want to do something that was super poppy. The album label or the the record label wanted a crossover album. She wanted to head more in an R and B direction, and it ended up being pop. That's not what we decided to do, and it resulted, um, you know, in an argument between her and Ronnie Jerkins, like just about like what the creative vision was for it. So I mm-hmm. think even though like it's brandy, so we think of it as R and B, it was a little bit poppier. Like it is poppier. Right. Like the, yeah. in terms of how it's the, it's overall sound. I mean, and, it's, and, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty adult contemporary. Yeah. I almost wouldn't think of it as a pop album. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's adult contemporary. Well, and that's why, you know, when we were talking about warm it up, I love that song, but it's like, it is an adult contemporary song. Like, that's why I was like, oh, I don't know. This isn't even a cool song. I'm going to be talking about this song. People are going to be like, why the hell are we listening to this song? It's yeah. more about the album. But D- D- Delilah is going to play it to lift someone <laughs> up, you know? So-and-so so, in St. Louis is having, you know, marital problems. Yeah. Let me play you this yeah. Brandy song from 2008. Yeah, so... To lift your spirits. So, like, <laughs> so like it doesn't do well. Oh, my God. She doesn't want to be on Delilah anymore. So yeah. she, after this album, she just, she kind of steps back, mm-hmm. right? Again, with her like hiatuses, she, she starts a reality, she goes on a reality show with her and Ray J and their parents called Brandy and Ray J, a family business. It's two seasons. She does that. She does season 11 of Dancing with the Stars and she comes in fourth, which apparently shocked oh, yeah. everyone because everyone thought she was going to be front runner. Mm-hmm. So... She basically falls out of the top three. Who um, won that season? I don't know. I don't watch that show. But I, because I, I was always like, who are these people? And which is crazy because I'm like, you know, with stars in parentheses, right? Or stars with asterisks. But um, didn't do well. So she, she's, she's kind of doing, she's doing um, acting. She's going back to acting. She had recurring roles on the CW's 90210. She was on Drop Dead Diva. Oh, she yeah. was on BET's The Game. And then in 2012, she reteams with Monica for It All Belongs to Me, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't really like. It didn't really. It was all right. Capture, like, it wasn't. I mean. Yeah, it was whatever. Has anyone ever like reignited the magic? No. From a collaboration in like a second collaboration? No. No. Right. What was the run? Was Runaway Bride like, was that the Richard Gere, Julia Roberts? Mm-hmm. How yeah, many Julia yeah, Roberts was... references can I make in a single episode? I don't know. You're obsessed. I know. <laughs> um, single white fe- or what is it? What was it? Sleeping with the enemy over here, like some kind of like stalker thing. But um, <laughs> no, that's not stalker. But um, well, so so in 2012 she comes out with that duet, and she also comes out with oh, put it down. Sorry, just... go what? 
who you know who, who you know who you know who came in third place ahead of brandy on dancing with no. stars who is bristol palin oh, that makes me brandy came in sad. fourth behind jennifer gray who won okay oh Ky- yeah okay kyle massey who was raven's little brother on that so raven okay and bristol palin that is so crazy Ugh. She was like the only star of this season. Yes. Because in 2012, she comes out with another album. And she talks about how she had so much personally writing on this album because she felt that to this point, it had been failure after failure after failure for her. And she puts Dancing with the Stars in there as one of these most like public humiliations, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so she comes out in 2012 with 211. Um, the lead single for that is Put It Down with Chris Brown, who, ooh, I like, even at that point, yeah. I was like, no. That hits number three on the hip-hop R&B chart, and it's our first top ten in ten years. Okay. 211 comes out in October of that year. It's a return to R&B. I know you said previously, this is not one of your favorite albums. I do yep. like this album. She calls it Return to R&B with a progressive edge. It hits number three on the Billboard 200 and is at the top of the hip-hop and R&B charts. She works with Frank Ocean on it, among other people. The name itself comes after her birthday, is named after her birthday, which was uh. also the day that Whitney Houston died earlier that year. So she died on her birthday that year. And, um, oh my God, Whitney Houston died that long ago? 2012. Yeah. Gosh. Eight years. It's been eight years. And Michael Michael Jackson died in 2009. Uh, Yeah. It's just, it's like time again, like being so weird. And it's just so this album kind of comes out and it's like, it's her big hit for her mm-hmm. and it's sort of this justification this mm-hmm. sort a of redemption hit. for that's, her that's a stretch well for it's a her, hit it's a hit yeah. not not to the level but it like comes back we're starting to see maybe is she coming back but for her i think personally it was more than anything it was sort of validation she mm-hmm. she still got it she still got she goes on she plays roxy hart in chicago on broadway she has a recurring role on star um oh. she's come out with you know, she's guested on numerous tracks over the years, including one last year with Daniel Caesar. I don't know if you know him. Nope. He's a R and B singer uh, called Love Again, and that earned them a Grammy nomination. So, I mean, it's it, like she, you know, she's been bubbling, just kind of doing kind of stuff in the background. And then just last month, she released her seventh album called B Seven. For the first time, she was the majority writer and producer of the album. She released it independently on her own label. So, you know, just again in her evolution and just where she's come from, like she's taking back that creative control and trying to figure out like, who is she? What does she want to put out? There's a couple good songs on that album that I like. Um, Baby Mama, I think is one of the lead singles. It's with Chance the Rapper. It's fun. Um, There's a couple other songs, No Tomorrow and I Am More, that feel more like classic brandy like like yeah i think no tomorrow no tomorrow is the one that i like yeah no tomorrow it has like a it's like a michael jackson sample in here or like a yeah it's interesting it's it's it has like a it has like a michael jackson vibe to it somewhere in there well the whole album is at first i wanted to be like it's kind of like a slow burn but it does have some sort of more up-tempo songs but it's still kind of like a chill album i think that in the way that like we have been conditioned 
by record labels to expect a certain sequence to pop albums or any mm-hmm. like popular albums yeah. in this era. Like I, I think that traditionally people would like artists would arrange their albums in a sequence that they just felt like artistically expressed something. But like uh-huh. you move into a certain era where it's really like, okay, like your lead single is going to be maybe track two. Your second single is going to be track one. Your ballad's going to be track four. Like there is a pattern to be followed where like, for some reason I'll always end up liking track nine on mm. albums. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have like a throwaway ballad as like track 11, you know, mm-hmm. like I feel like mm-hmm. there is like a sequence and like a formula that's yeah. operating somehow behind the scenes that really conditions us to think like we're going to pop on an album and from track one be hooked. Mm-hmm. We're not going to expect, you know, the banger to be track seven. Yeah. Yeah. It'll at least be like track four. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's where I hit with Brandy's new album is like there's more in the middle that for yeah. some reason catches my ear a little yes. bit. Same. Same. It's it's just fascinating to me because my my whole point with like talking about Brandy and like bringing it back to like how we were talking about Janet Jackson it's just like there's an icon they 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 have all of this unqualified success and respect. And then there's some events sometimes within their control and other times without that just it takes over and it dominates and it's like to what extent do we allow we the public allow the the worst thing to happen to someone to define who they are Mm -hmm. and like why can we not let them move on why can they not move on yeah there were some headlines that i saw it was like you know in terms of talking about brandy like Brandy, comma, and other celebrities who've killed people. <laughs> and it's like, what? Oh, God. Right? Wild. Like, it's like, she, cause she talks about in, in, it, she like breaks down in that, in that, um, behind the music interview and she's just like, you're gonna call me a murderer? She's like, I, murder is premeditated. I did not wake up in the morning and say, I'm gonna kill someone. Yeah. Like, I have to live with that forever. She's like, how can you say that to me? Like, it, it hurts. Like, it's like, that's not who I am. Like, and you've let that define me, right? And like, to you, it's just a thing. But like, that's always bothered me about it. And I feel like it's like, it's like with Janet and like the nipple thing. It's like, it wasn't just her. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's really the biggest indictment of the whole thing, really, mm-hmm. is that Brandy takes a huge hit for this. Janet takes a huge hit for this. Mm-hmm. For their respective incidents rolls um, like an incident yeah. yeah justin timberlake is fine yeah i think you can think of like men that get through this kind of stuff or always have their defenders mm-hmm. and not just any defenders but like defenders that are powerful enough to continue to you know sustain them yeah i mean it's it's wild to me to think about like i mean this is completely different but you think about the people that still support like woody allen mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Right. And that he has enough defenders. I mean, he doesn't have enough defenders that it saved or it, that his, uh, he had like an Amazon thing that was supposed to happen mm-hmm. that got completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But he still has a lot of very high profile, loud and proud defenders. You know, the, the thing with Woody Allen's like, people are like, separate the art from the artist. Why can't you do that? Blah, blah, oh, blah. Yeah, yeah. Where are the separate the art from the artist defenders of Brandy? Like in this mm-hmm. instance, I'm not like to, to, oh, yeah, to yeah. not, to not ascribe any, any, any blame or anything, you know, just taking that part out of the equation, but just like, 
why then is she the murderer? But like Woody Allen is not like the man who like married his stepdaughter, you know, like like, or the, chi- or like the child, the child, the child. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, yeah. And it's like, sorry, allegedly, I don't understand. But like, I mean, right. His daughter. Yeah. Dylan. Set, cl- yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's like women don't get that. Right. Yeah, it's always yeah. with the men. It's like, but there aren't and like, blah, blah, blah. And like women don't get that no matter who they are. This whole thing, maybe I'll put this at the end. Maybe we can wrap up this whole episode because my God, we've gone unstructured <laughs> to the, to the extreme, <laughs> to but, the extreme. You know, I, w- when I was thinking about this whole Janet Jackson wardrobe malfunction, Justin Timberlake incident. Hmm. Um, this is also the week that the song, um, wet ass pussy. Is that what that song is called? Yes. Yes. Wap, 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 wap. They has captured the American and the worldwide consciousness. And, um, so that's, uh, Cardi B and Megan the stallion. Mm-hmm. You I know, I think song. it, did it top the billboard 100 this week? I think someone I think was commenting so. like cardigan is replaced by wet ass pussy <laughs> um, in two consecutive weeks. Um, but you know, of all people, CeeLo green uh, comes out and is like, women shouldn't be doing this. That's nasty. Fucking alleged date rapist. CeeLo green. Yeah. No, I mean, then someone was like, really, really. And they posted like a screenshot of like, I think he has like a song about like necrophilia. Ugh. Yeah. Necro necromancy. Mm-hmm. And um, someone posted like the lyrics to that song. They're like, "Really, you're gonna you're gonna talk about you know what women should and shouldn't be doing?" And <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're talking about it, but yeah. just the fact that like, okay, CeeLo CeeLo Green to come out as like the morality squad mm-hmm. to say like, "Oh, women shouldn't be doing this. This is nasty." Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, for, you know, men men can can be talking about all the things they're gonna do with a woman or make a woman do. But, you know, the minute two women talk about what they want and what they want done and what they enjoy, oh, yeah. it's, it's too much. It's like it's like with Janet. Like, yes, I clutched my pearls. But, like, she's talking about what she enjoys, right? Like, like in a yeah, way like, that, like, everyone really, else does. I, I mean, it is that thing of, like, we're indoctrinated to uh-huh. be terrified of female pleasure. Yes. I think it might've been in the documentary about the MPAA. Like this film is not yet rated. Mm-hmm. They talk about the PG PG 13 R NC 17 rating system. It's like a, a kind of a clandestine organization that's like secretly run by this panel of like a limited group of people that are all like their identities are secret. Mm-hmm. And like this documentary filmmaker, he sought to like track down these people, figure out who they are, what their credentials are to basically mm-hmm. establish like, who are you to tell me what's appropriate for like my children or my teen children or Uh me as an adult. Right. Because I guess that the, the history of the MPAA and those rating systems that come down is like, people are like, it's very arbitrary. You're not, you're not complete. The process is not completely transparent, but they tell you like, okay, your, your, your movie got an NC 17 because of this, that, and the other, or your rate, your movie got a PG 13 if you want it to be PG, you need to remove this, this, and this. And they were saying a lot of times, overwhelmingly, murder, violence, you know, bodily harm type of stuff, you could still get a PG-13. No yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. Sex, nudity, profanity, you might get an R. 
But Mm -hmm. I recall that some filmmakers noted that like depictions of female pleasure, Mm -hmm. NC-17, automatic. Yeah. This woman appeared to be enjoying sex too much. Her expressions of her own female pleasure Mm -hmm. are inappropriate. Forget about gun violence. Forget about, you know, maiming, dis- dismembering, all the things that you can see in a rated R movie. Yeah. But heaven forbid you should ever experience what it's like for a woman to have an orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Heaven it's forbid crazy. that anyone should realize what that's supposed to be like. Yeah. <laughs> I was just I was just thinking about this in, in the context of what we're talking about. So Brandy lies about having a child out of wedlock right because like the harm it's going to do her career oh yeah it you know this is a scandal because it's revealed that she's lied and she did have a child out of wedlock and you know it does put a mark on her in the year 2004 top album that year an rb usher's confessions which is about cheating on ostensibly chili at the time tlc's chili potentially having a baby with another woman no one at all is like oh well you know what does this say about usher like it you know what i mean like it's crazy so it's crazy to me so just like in terms of these double standards it's like so at the time the gossip was that usher's confessions was about chili and him cheating on her and then 10 years later it was revealed that it that chili was like no 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 he never cheated on me even though some of the songs were about me, he never cheated on me. That was actually Jermaine Dupri's sort of like thing. Because Jermaine Dupri ends up coming out and saying that like a lot of the stories were hit about him. But oh, for that Usher was for singing. For Usher, that Usher singing. Yeah, Dupree. exactly. God, Jermaine so, Dupri was cheating on someone with someone else? God. Was it, was it Demita Joe? Again, it again. I don't, I mean, I don't want to. But, but here's, but here's the him, thing. But, here's the thing. Whether or not he was lying or not, or not lying, but like whether or not the public was fully ready to accept that Usher had written this album about, about cheating, cheating on, on beloved TLC member Chili and rewarded him with like praise. Meanwhile, Brandy like pr- comes out, Brandy has had a child out of wedlock and lies about being married about it. And like she's, it's like a black mark. It's a scandal. Skin. It's a scandal. And it's like, okay, like why? so so yeah we took we took some wild detours on today's episode we went we went deep we went shallow we went in between i mean we were talking about the aftermath so we we've we yeah, we went we went everywhere today. I think there's there are a few aspects of our culture that these two scenarios don't touch on. So, it, you know, there yeah. there's a reason it kind of it was wide ranging. But um, and I mean, both of these things happened so long ago now, mm-hmm. and 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 to, for us to both really look at these events through the lens of like where we're at today, mm-hmm. and to still think about how we struggle with these same types of things today, it really reframes it. It really reframes how it was, how it felt in the moment. Yeah. Um, with some distance. So I thought it was good. And it really makes me feel old. And it also makes me understand why young people and like progressives really feel like things never change. Cause yeah. to realize like, Oh crap, like this stuff all happened over a decade ago mm-hmm. and we still are struggling with these same types of issues. It, it, it yeah. really is like, I mean, 
I like to believe that as a society, as a society overall, we're evolving and we're starting to open our eyes to at least the existence of these things now. Whereas like a decade ago, we may not even, we may not have even been aware that there were other forces at play in terms of our yeah. perception. Mm-hmm. So it's slow going, but you know, our eyes are opening, mm-hmm. stay woke, et cetera. <laughs> stay woke stay or, vigilant. or become woke. I encourage you to stay woke if you are woke or become woke if you are currently not woke. What's the opposite of woke? Asleep. If you're currently asleep, wake up. Just be vigilant. Just yeah. just be critical. Just <laughs> and be and be empathetic. Yes. All right. Uh, we will. All right. All right. So we will see you guys next time. Yeah. Um, Take it away. Special thanks to Adam Elder for composing our theme music. Songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website, flopredeemer.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And check us out on social at flopredeemer on Instagram and Twitter and at facebook.com slash flopredeemer. Love it. That's a cut. That's a, that's a, that's a wrap. Can I stop recording now? Yeah. Oh my God. This is going to fill up my computer.